0: wildcats to weber state weekly i am your host the proud new owner of a legit damian lillard wildcat jersey colby peterson on the pod today we have the proud papa of one of the best wildcat covid masks
1: in the world
0: mr sean lewis
1: what's happening everybody
0: next rocking a very lucky black cover wildcats lid we have with us ac
1: Yes, sir.
2: That thing brought me luck on the course. Shot my best score ever. Got my first eagle ever. Wildcats forever.
0: <laughs> Can't beat that. And finally, still clinging to his original pair of Damian Lillard ones, we have Mr. John King. One of the best pairs of basketball shoes I've ever worn in my life. Yeah, I feel bad. I I I never even bought a pair. I, I missed the boat completely on those, so... On today's show, we're going to be talking basketball. We're going to be talking a little bit about the men's basketball recruiting class that uh, mostly was recruited online, it sounds like, based on Brett Hines reporting. But we're going to dig into that. Uh, we've got a lot of new faces on this roster, and we're going to go through a few of those. Next, we're also going to talk about women's basketball. Um, it's been a tough row to hoe for those folks over in the women's program. It's been a tough, tough couple of past seasons. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what the prospects for this upcoming season will look like for the women. And finally, we're going to play a game called Tired and Wired. We're going to be talking about Weber State traditions, some that we think are kind of lame and some that we think are pretty legit. So, but first, uh, before we get into all that, we want to encourage you all to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, please subscribe. Follow the show on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's a great place to stay. In the loop on what we'll be talking about during the week, or what we have talked about, and also to interact with us, chat a little bit. It's a it's a good time, especially especially on Twitter. I noticed we we get a lot of chatter on Twitter, and it's a great place. And also, if you would, if you know other Wildcats that are big fans like you and are interested in chatting more or listening to more content about Weber State sports, please tell them about the show. Let them know that there's a podcast out there called Weber State Weekly, and uh, it's pretty good. So, with that, let's start out by talking about. The men's basketball recruiting class. So I'm going to pose a question to our panel here today and ask, what are your overall thoughts on adding so many new players to this roster? Is this going to be cool or nah? It's going to start with you, Sean Lewis. What do you think about this newfangled roster that we have in Ogden?
1: So I'm going to start out with uh, expressing my uh, deep lack of bona fides in recruiting. I don't follow recruiting. Tell me who's suiting up in purple on game day. That's what I care about. Um, So I don't follow who's going where or what's going down with that. Here's where I'm at though on this on this class. Um, We got nine new players. I think I think I can only recognize two names uh, from last year's team that even got any kind of smell of playing time. Everybody's gone. This is a brand new team. Holding this team to any kind of expectations from the 12 and 20. Uh, Season last year, I think, is just wrong because there's nobody left that was on that team. It's entirely different. I think Coach Ray uh, realized that uh, the group that he had uh, wasn't gelling. uh, There wasn't cohesion with this team. They didn't play as a team. There's a lot of hero ball uh, being played last year, in my opinion. And so um, he went out and changed things. Now, this is either going to be a death knell because if this team doesn't gel together quickly, it's going to be a problem. But if he got good guys that'll fit his program or that he can adjust his system to fit these guys that he's recruited, I think it can be great. Um, I like that he brought in some senior leadership, some transfers, some guys that have had some experience somewhere. One of the things I've been frustrated with over the last few years is it seems like we never have a senior class. There's only one or two seniors on the guy, uh, on the team on, on senior night. Uh, we've been young. We've been the youngest team in the big sky for what seems like a decade now. So I'm, I'm Happy to see some some upperclassmen come in, even if there is only their first one or two years in the program. So I have high hopes and expectations. Uh, I, I hope these guys are good. One of the problems I have with recruiting and following recruiting is everybody's highlight tape looks good. You're only seeing the best of what these guys put out to offer on their uh, on their reels. So, I mean, I can see guys junk dunk. I can see guys uh, take threes. I could see guys slash to the hoop and play defense, but that's every highlight tape of every high school transfer player I've ever seen. The one fear I have, and I know I'm taking a long time, so I'm going to wrap this up real quick, but I, the one fear I have is one, will this team gel and two transfers with this many transfers? You, if you're transferring, there's usually a reason, right? You're not getting along with your coach. You're, you're not getting the playing time you think you've earned or slash deserve. So I, I hope we're not taking on another school's problems uh, with these transfers.
0: Yeah. Looking at the roster, I think that based on what I've seen with some of these, a lot of these transfers, it seems like these are guys who are looking for more playing time. And so hopefully and it's we've, not we've got that, that in
1: spades right now.
0: Yeah. And so it looks like there are opportunities to play and that's why people are coming over uh, AC. What about you? What are your thoughts?
2: You know, I think it's a good thing. I think that the basketball program has struggled to keep the excitement from the days of yore, right? You know, I, I think that the, the days of Harold Arsenal of Damian Lillard are long gone, and Wildcat fans are feeling it. The whole program feeling it. I think the program at the end of last year just felt dead. It felt completely stagnant, and so I think that Randy, of all people, knew that he had to do something extreme. A common theme that we saw throughout his post-game comments all last year was, I'm sick of having inexperienced players. I want more experience. We need more experience. And he went out and he got more experience Uh, almost across the board. You know, we've got a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors now, a lot of players who have experience, some of them coming in from big programs, big conferences. So I think that he had to do something extreme. I think he went out and did something extreme. And this year, I think we will see a better team overall this year. I think we have more talent this year than we did last year overall. And I think that going forward in the years to come, I think that the program will be better off for it. So Randy, I I think that he's starting to feel a little bit of pressure. I don't think he's quite on the hot seat. I think it might be a lukewarm seat, but I think that he's feeling that. And I think he went out to really make some changes
1: in the program by me. I think it's all good. And I think we're going to see a lot of improvement this season. Can we, can we just talk for a second about how great a recruiting job this was when all these players signed after COVID pandemic started and season was canceled and they did all of this remotely. There were no on-campus visits, nothing like that that you would traditionally get with these kids coming out. So to me, this has been a great recruiting job to sign nine guys and under those circumstances. It seemed like it snowballed really
2: quick, too. You got one guy, and then it was just like one right after the other other over the span of a few days. It was
1: exciting to watch. One of the things I've looked into on this is you read uh, the reporting on these recruits, how many of them have contacts with either somebody formerly in the program or somebody that was coming into the program. This was networking. This wasn't just cold-calling people. This was using the network, that the the recruiting network that that Randy has, and using former players and, and family members of people to get these players into the program, which I think is great.
0: Definitely. John King, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, a lot of new faces on the roster, like Sean said, nine new players?
3: So Colby,
0: you and I have had quite
3: a few conversations about basketball over the past. And I think one thing that I've always been pretty consistent with is that, you know, I think at the end of the day, the goal is to get as much talent in one place as you can, and then try and make that talent fit as well as possible. I think that the coaching staff, took a look at the roster last year, decided it wasn't necessarily the, the talent level they wanted, and they went out and they got some talent. They went out and got a Dante Bassett, who played at Florida and is a very springy athletic defender. They went out and they got a Zaheer Porter, who is someone who can score from all angles and is really gonna, uh, really going to be asked to shoulder a lot of the offensive load uh um next season. So at the end of the day, you know, basketball's a talent game. I mean, whether you watch college basketball, whether you watch the NBA, whatever it is, I mean, you've got to have players and, you know, coaching staff took a look at what they had last year, decided it wasn't good enough, which was evident by the 12 and 20 record, and they decided let's flip our roster and see what we can do. Um uh and see what we can do this year. So um, I think it's a positive at the end of the day, but one thing I would preach to all Wildcat fans out there is it's gonna take some time. So have a little bit of patience um, when you have this many new faces that come into the fray over the course of one off season. And then obviously in the COVID world that we're living in, um, not everybody's probably gonna get the practice time and you know the workout time that is accustomed to in normal year. So it's gonna take some time for this team to gel. Um, you probably won't see the best version of this team until conference play. Um, but when you work, you know, when you bring in a lot of new faces, um, uh, all of them who obviously have never played in the program before, it's going to take some, it's just going to take some time for them to, uh, learn how to play with each other and also learn what their coach demands out of them, um, each and every night.
0: Yeah. And I think that, uh. Also, another thing for Wildcat fans to consider is, like John Casper told us last week, there is a high likelihood of there being maybe a shortened season where the season does not begin until maybe January. So even more patience with this team because workouts will be delayed. Uh, there won't, there may not be that non-conference schedule to work a few things out. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, but definitely great points, John, about bringing in a lot of talent and just flipping the roster and see what you could get because 12-20 and 20 is not good enough for a Wildcat squad. Um, Next, I wanted to ask you all um, what you think, based on the roster and, you know, what you know a bit about these players, what do you think this team's strengths and weaknesses are going to be? John King, I wanted to throw that back out to you.
3: So I think from the jump, I think that this team's going to be a pretty good defensive team. I think that's going to be the biggest uh, strength of this Wildcat squad Um, when you, you know, Coach Ray went out and he got two erasers um, that are going to meet a lot of people at the rim and block a lot of shots in Dante Bassett and David Zekwezi. Um, I think that both of those additions are going to allow the perimeter defenders to be really, really aggressive Play a lot of high ball pressure because they're going to know the, on the back end of the defense that they're going to have people that can you know accommodate for making mistakes on the uh, on the perimeter. So I think defense is going to be you know something that jumps off the page and is evident from day one. Um, on the, as far as the weaknesses thing goes, I I, I do think that offense. Um, uh, the offensive side of the ball is going to be a little bit of a weakness, um, in the beginning. And a lot of that's going to deal with the fact that there's so many new faces. So, you know, learning where people like to get their shots, learning who is going to be responsible for taking the shots, um, you know, learning an entire new offense, um, in limited in limited time. So you're probably going to see a little bit of a slow offensive start to the end of the season, but, you know, so, so, sorry, um, starts at the beginning of the season, but you hope, you know, by the time if if by the time conference plays rolls around, if we do get to have this somewhat normal season, you hope that the team's going to be firing firing on, on all cylinders because there is going to be some offensive talent there that is going to, uh, that, that is that's just going to take a little bit of time for them to get used to one another.
0: Yeah, Sean Ac, what what do you all think? Uh, throw out your ideas here. What do you think are going to be the strengths and weaknesses of this squad?
1: I think the, the lack of familiarity can be a strength because they can grow together and, and you don't have a lot of baggage from the previous team, as I mentioned before. But, but John's point is, is exactly spot on. Um, Randy Ray is known, his teams always start slow. We always use the non-conference schedule as a throwaway. We all know in the big sky, the only thing that matters is three days in March in Boise, right? You, you get three days in March in Boise, that's, that's, your, that's your season. You play the conference season to get the best position for those three days in Boise. The non-conference season is to get your team together. So we see slow starts. We see kids the first three or four games. The offense just looks like crap every time, right? Uh, you get uh, the big games against the big teams. Uh, Randy's been good about getting tough tough games, even if they're on the road, because nobody wants to come to the Palace. You get, you get those uh, teams that are tough to defend and tough to play and, and you, you, those strengthen you and gel you. I'm worried that without having a non-conference season, uh, we're going to lose that, and it's going to take us a quarter to half of the Big Sky season to get to the point where this team is starting to gel and be really good, and how does that affect us? Um, I don't think anybody's going to go undefeated in conference this year. Let's just be flat out about that. Um, the best teams, the good teams in the Big Sky this year, are going to be the ones that can figure out their teams and their rotations and, and who they are early in the season, because I don't think we're going to get the full 30 game season that we're used to. Mm-hmm.
0: AC, what are, what
1: are your thoughts?
2: I think that the strengths, when I think of the strengths of this team, I can think of two different things. I think that overall athleticism is going to get better this year. Uh, last year, I think we had a couple of big guys that were, I think they were good guys. I think that they were pretty good basketball players, but I think they were limited. And I think this next year, we're going to see an upgrade in the post. Um, it's true. So it, felt I think, like,
0: it felt like maybe Tim Fuller was really one of the only guys who truly played that post role. And now yes. Tim is, Tim's yeah. transferred.
2: And now Tim's gone. Dimas ador is gone. So I think we got a, we, we've got an overall upgrade down there, which gives us comprehensively a more athletic team than we had last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the athleticism will also lead to better team defense. So I think that on the wings, we might be a little bit more athletic than we were last year as well. Um, and so I think that the, the overall quickness of this team, I think the overall verticality and size of this team will all be strengths. Um, that said, I think that the, the biggest thing, the most glaring weakness that I can foresee would be team chemistry. You've got a lot of guys that are coming in from a lot of different places and we, we don't have a lot of time to put it all together. And so. Will these guys buy into Randy's system? Will they buy into each other as teammates? I mean, only time will tell. In this season, where we're probably not going to get a non-conference season, we're not going to have a whole lot of time.
1: So, to, to that point, AC, can, can we? Can these guys come in? Do they know what their role is on the team, and are they willing to do it right? Um, because this is the, the Greg Popovich theory. You're here to do this specific job. You do it well, and then the whole team is good because of that. If these guys buy into that, this could be the best Wildcat team we've seen in a long time. If they don't, twelve and twenty or or is is it's just as good of a possibility, right? Yeah. This this is boom or bust. I don't I, I don't know that we're going to see a middle of the road team with this with this group.
0: I think that's probably a fair take that it is probably boom or bust. And so I want to wrap this uh, segment up, guys, by asking with so many new faces and Jarek Harding now graduated playing in Czech Republic. Who then is the leader of this Wildcat squad? And so I want you to think about it. Give me a name who you think will emerge as the leader of this squad. John King.
3: So the easy answer for that question is Michael Kozak because he's been in the program for four years. He is going to be someone that you need to help bring these nine guys along and kind of show them the ropes and and bring them along in this program. But one I think maybe unconventional choice Um, college basketball is a guards game. Anybody who has ever watched it before uh, understands that Um, and having a good ball handler is, is really, really crucial. Uh, When you look at a guy like Isaiah Barnes, who's played, you know, at the power five level at Northwestern also played a lot of minutes for grand Canyon last year and started 18 games. um, He's someone that's going to be coming in to compete for that starting point guard job. And you are go and and you hope that his experience in a lot and playing a lot of basketball is going to be big for this team. Be it that, you know, he can control the he can control the tempo of a game. He'll know when we need to speed up the offense, when we need to get out in transition, or if you know we're being hit with a, you know, we're we're facing a ten to run and we got to slow things down and get a bucket because we haven't got one in three minutes. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's Isaiah Brown, not not Barnes, right? Sorry,
3: Isaiah Brown. My 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 no, pocket.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Isaiah Brown, uh, who will be a senior. This will be his lone season at Weaver State, but we do miss Israel Barnes. <laughs> I thought Israel was a good kid.
3: But, but 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 like I said, you know, as a point guard, it, it, he's going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit this season, and so kind of by default, you know, you're going to need some leader. You're going to need some leadership out of him. So,
0: you know, I would put his name in the ring as well. Okay, uh, AC. Uh, just give me a name. Who do you think will emerge as the leader of this team? Cam Davis. Cam Davis. I love it. Cam was really great last season. Uh, I think that, that that's a possibility. And Sean, what do you think? Give me a name. The The leader of this team.
1: I think the position's up for grabs for anybody who wants to take it. I'm going to go off True. book. I'm going to say Dante Bassett, a senior coming in as a grad transfer uh, from the University of Florida. I think his experience at the Power Five level in the SEC Um, he can, he can provide some of that wisdom to the younger guys that are coming in. Yeah, that's great.
0: Well, guys, good segment on men's basketball recruiting, a lot to look forward to in the coming months, whenever we do end up getting a basketball season. And if I guess we'll see, but now we want to turn our focus over to the women's program. Uh, it's been a difficult time for the last two years, like we said, for the women, um, but. I think that there's a ray of hope. Uh, We'll see if maybe they can turn the corner this year. So I want to start us off by asking, with the women's 2020 recruiting class, just give me your predictions for this season of women's basketball. What do you think is going to happen? Sean?
1: Again, I'm going to show my lack of experience here because I haven't watched a whole lot of the women's team in the last few years. So, uh, But knowing their record, looking at how uh, they – They were not competitive in many games last year based on the scores uh, that that came out. Um, I would hope some progress Uh, coach V is coming into her fourth year uh, in the program. Right. Uh, So we want to see some some of that progress and and growth from, from the team. Um, I think we're excited about some of the players coming in. I don't know them by name. That's uh, AC's department, but uh, I think the, the floor for this team, is if they can improve upon last year, maybe finish in in the uh, middle of the road of the the big sky, I would consider that as a success. Every year I want to see a team grow. I want to see them win more than they did the year before. Um, And and for me, let's just be competitive. I I don't mind losing a lot of games if we're close at the end, but if we're getting blown out by 20 points or 30 points in the fourth quarter, um, I want to see some closer scores. Um, But I don't mind losing if the scores are close.
0: Yeah, uh, quick note there. So this will be Coach Vallada Harris's third season
1: as the Wildcat oh, head coach. I apologize.
0: No sweat. Uh, AC, what do you think? Give us your thoughts, your predictions for the women's program this year.
2: You know, I don't think it's any secret. They've struggled. It's been two very long years yeah. of, of women's basketball at Weber State. Um, that said, I think that we're to the point, and like, I really believe this. I'm not trying to put like a positive... Go Wildcats spin on it. Like, I actually believe this. I think that this team's going to turn the corner. And I think that it starts this year. I think last year, the record was slightly misleading. They won four games, right? But the team was decimated by injuries, like completely decimated. We were playing ladies this. Honestly, probably shouldn't have been seeing a whole lot of playing time because there was no one else. And so... I mean, when you look at the schedule, they did lose a lot of games, but as the season progressed, you started seeing more games where they're only losing by six points, six points or fewer. That was kind of the number that I kept seeing. And so this year, I think that we're going to start seeing a lot of those close games become victories. There were three fantastic freshmen last year, Jaden Matthews, Ula Chamberlain, and Manka Hickok. uh, All three of them had their moments. They had fantastic games. And I think this next year, we're really going to see them take over. You're also getting a whole bunch of leadership back. Shai Johnson, Dominique Williams, they're coming back from injuries. And something you've got to remember is this is the first time that Valeta Harris has had 10 scholarship players that are healthy on her roster. And so that I know that she's super excited about that. I really do believe that this is the year that we start seeing this program turn the corner, and I think that they can finish in the middle, middle of the pack in the big sky, which is a huge jump from where they were at last year.
0: Hmm. Yeah, one thing to note, and I, I would say that maybe this is the beginnings of something. Um, this team did was able to play in the Big Sky tournament before it was shut down. They did lose fifty eight to sixty two to a Southern Utah team. So, a close in game, overtime, I think. Yeah, a close game in in Boise, and maybe a sign of things to come. So, uh, John King, what are your thoughts on the women's team and what that what the future might hold for them this year?
3: so you know you got if you got to be honest here I, and uh, co I think coach v walked into a really really tough uh, really really tough project when she took the job in 2018 uh, into 2018 nineteen um, in 2017 18, uh, 18, the, the last you know 21 season for the weaver state women's basketball program. Um, you lost four seniors off that team in Laren Brooks, Kaylee Quinn, Brianna G- Gray, and Jocelyn Adams, who played major, major minutes and scored – the vast majority of the points. And then a year later, you lose basically the two remaining contributors from that team and Kaylee Quinn and Jimani Welch Coleman. And then now you basically have to push the reset button and start over with a brand new roster. Um, basically in year one, which is really, really tough for any new coach, no matter where you start out in the country, if you've got to come in and basically define the program from day one, um, that makes things tough because you'd like to have a senior leader that you can kind of lean on in that and uh, in, in that first, you know, those first couple years. And I don't think that Coach V really had that. So now that we're moving into year three of uh, um, of Coach V as the head coach of our program, um, you're going to start to see her get the players that she wants in the program. And as AC, you know, said just a couple minutes ago. Um, just having, you know, close to a full slew of scholarship athletes, like that's a huge deal because that's something that really hasn't been readily available over the past two, two seasons. And that's going to help tremendously. Um, uh, that's going to help tremendously the results on the course, uh, the result on the course uh, court, um, this season. So, you know, you hope that the team can get around that 500 mark. I think that would be a huge, huge improvement, um, for the team. Um, but like I said, you know, and also AC said, um, just having, you know, your full allotment of players pretty much is a huge, huge step forward and something that is going to be, a you know, that we haven't had here in a couple of years.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely injuries an issue and um, uh, not that many graduations. So maybe the squad is poised to take a step forward. Uh, next, I wanted to ask you all, which Incoming player, because we, we do want to talk a little bit about this recruiting class. Which incoming player do you think will have the biggest impact for this Wildcat squad? John King, what, what are your thoughts?
3: So, anybody who knows me and knows my, you know, basketball opinions, the thing I like most more than anything in the world are shooters. And so we have and, a.
0: And Yan Mahimi. And Yan Mahimi. No, we're just
3: kidding. No, we, just kidding. We, we, we don't like him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we don't like his contract. He's a fine player. Okay. Uh, uh, I think Raina Suggs is going to be a really nice addition uh, for this team. Um, She's going to come in and be a knockdown jump shooter. And, you know, as we see basketball, I mean, if you've watched any of the NBA playoffs so far this year, uh, jump shooting is becoming, you know, the most important skill that you can have because it opens up so many different things for you. So just having someone out there who can really, really space the floor allows, you know, a- allows for so much more, you know, an, a uh, much more open offense, um, uh, for everybody, and so you know, just adding a knockdown jump shooter, I think, is going to be really, really huge for um the offense this season.
0: Yeah, Reyna transferring in from Cochise College, um, shot 39 percent from the field last year and shot 32 percent behind the arc. So big opportunity to score some points. Averaged about 16. AC, what are your thoughts? Um, who do you think? Among the, the the incoming class, will have the biggest impact for this Wildcat squad.
2: Well, I'm going to apologize right off the bat because I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce her surname, Emma Torbert or Torbert. I'm not exactly sure, but I did see her last year. She was on she was on the bench because she transferred in from Nevada midseason. And she always seemed like she was really engaged. She was into the games. And that, that was something that I appreciated about her because this wasn't like she was coming back from injury and she might see playing time later on in the year. No, she had to sit out the whole year because of the transfer rules. And so I really liked seeing her engaged on the bench. But also she is she's a post player who can shoot. And so last year, I think that this team was a little bit undersized in comparison to their competition in the big sky. And I think that Emma is going to be able to match up really well against... Uh, against our opponents throughout the conference season. And I think that she might even be a mismatch for them because of her ability to shoot the three ball. And so with this team next year and with Emma as the post player, uh, Weber State's really going to be able to spread the floor, open things up, and that's going to help the perimeter players, who I think is this team's strength, really showcase their capabilities and put some points on the board. So for me, I've got my money on Emma.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, in her freshman year at Nevada, shot 35% from three, 44% from the field. Uh, pretty good numbers, an opportunity definitely to open the floor up. Sean, what are your thoughts? Who, uh, incoming group, who's going to have the biggest impact?
1: Again, I have a serious lack of knowledge here. I was going to say Emma, just because uh, of her time in the program already. So she's incoming, she hasn't played, but she's already got half of a season in the program, uh, in the culture and learning plays and, and, and what, what's going to be expected of her. So I think that's that extra time gives her a leg up on the other incoming players. But can I give a shout out to Michaela Peterson, uh, who in our show notes we have as a tall Australian and we all know that tall, tall Australians do well in the state of Utah. And, uh, maybe we can get some, uh, Ingles family sightings at the purple palace for some women's basketball, yeah. sharing that Australian connection.
0: It's true. Not sure if the Bogats are around much either, but uh, hey, get them up to the Purple Palace. Love to see it. Uh, one thing I wanted to note with Emma Torbert back to that. Uh, she uh, was something we might not have mentioned before. She was a transfer midseason last year from Nevada. So big opportunity to play down here in the big sky. Uh, I wanted to just ask this final question that kind of connects to the first, but briefly, give me a sense of where do you expect this team to finish in the conference? Just give me a number. Where do you think they end up? Sean?
1: I say if they get a five or a six seed in the conference tournament, that's a, that's a huge success. Um, and I think that's, that's the expectation I have for this team. Okay.
0: AC, what are your thoughts?
1: Six seed or bust.
0: Six seed or bust. All right. I like it. I like the confidence. I like, uh, I like the turning the corner. Uh, John King?
3: Uh, I'm going to say somewhere around that five or uh, or six seed in the conference, and I think that this is going to be a huge. This year is going to be a huge, huge improvement for the women's basketball program.
0: Awesome. Well, I have to admit, I'm I'm looking forward to it. When Coach V got hired, I was really excited for her to take over the program, and um, she's had to do a lot of work and fight through a lot of adversity. But I think that I agree with you all here that this is going to be the season where we really begin to see improvement. On the women's squad, so okay, can I? Out. Can
1: I throw in one thing? I'm going to improve myself this year. If fans are allowed in the Purple Palace for women's basketball this year, I am committing to make it to at least one or two games uh, so that I can improve my knowledge about the women's game and support that uh, that that department and that team.
2: Definitely. Join me, Sean, and I. I got to give a
1: quick shout out. I I sit close enough where I can
2: hear and see Valada Harris, coach. And she's got my vote of confidence, which is worth absolutely nothing. But I really do believe that she is the right person for the job. I think that she's going to turn this thing around.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well, uh, I will also say that uh, shout out to my friend Brooke from the MPC program. She goes to almost every women's game. So she's always there. So if you go, you'll see Brooke there. But now let's, uh, let's turn our attention to a little game. It's a little game that we're going to call Tired Wired. We're going to talk a little bit about Weber State traditions on campus, and that can be sports or it can be just related to being a student at Weber State University. Many of us were non-traditional students, so maybe we didn't get as involved with them in undergrad, but definitely some later after being uh, alumni and graduates of the university. So we want to get your takes. Which Weber State tradition is tired and which Weber State tradition is wired? Who wants to go first?
2: I nominate Sean Lewis.
0: Okay. Okay. John Lewis, let's hear what you got. Tired and wild. You got
1: all the hot takes right here. This is something that I feel like of all the things we talked about on today's show, this is the one where I'm going to excel. So so right. I, I've got this. I was both a traditional and a non-traditional student at Weber State. So I've got both of these. I'm going to give you my tired uh, one first. Uh, the tired tradition is uh, the lack of tradition at Weber State sports. That's okay. how I'm going to phrase it. We don't have sports traditions other than winning, Right. In basketball, we have a winning tradition. But as far as fan support and things like that, lots of things have been tried. Lots of things have failed. The biggest thing about traditions that I want to just implore to the fans and everybody here, it's got to be organic. We can't be copying what other schools do. When we, we chant refs, you suck, or, or try to copy what the herd up at Utah State does, it just makes us look like clowns, and, and it bugs me to no end. So we've got to find our own traditions, but it's got to start organically. It's not something that that you can force or the the school can push on us. It's got to be something that just happens. And those are where the best traditions come from. So the lack of sports traditions other than winning in basketball is, is where I'm gonna I'm gonna list that. Um, my Wired tradition is a little bit off book, and and you guys are gonna I I don't know this one's gonna be out of left field. Um, I love that for homecoming queen and queen, we don't vote for students. It's always alumni, people that are prominent in the community, things that it, people that have done something. It's my only chance of ever being homecoming royalty is that were State because <laughs> being the, the nerd that I was in high school, that wasn't happening for me. So uh, I, I love that tradition. I love that it gets the community and the alumni involved, makes homecoming something special. So that's my favorite uh, uh, tradition. Um, and then one more just honorable mention. Uh, just because I got a shout out to our boy, Chappy, uh, light up the W on the mountain. I wish that were a better tradition. I love it at homecoming, uh, but uh, I wish we had that uh, year round.
0: Who wants to go next? AC or John, tired and wired on traditions.
1: I'll take it. All right. So
2: I have less time at Weber State than everybody here. Um, that said, I would I to me, the tired tradition will be at the football games, the victory bell. Now, hear me out. I think it could be good. I think it could be really good. Oh, man. But they try to do it in front of the fans, and the fans don't stay. The fans are all gone. Like, the second clock, the the buzzer sounds at Stewart Stadium. And so I think that it could be good, but people don't stay. And so they go over, and they're ringing the bell on the track, but they're not doing it in front of anyone. So to me, that's tired. The wire, though, is after football wins – when they go in the locker room and the social media team releases the videos of the team singing the fight song and they're throwing water everywhere. I love mm-hmm. it. It gets me hyped every single time we see it. And last year, we saw it a lot. So it was fantastic. That tradition, wired.
0: We love it so you know, much that we included it in the intro to the show.
1: You know, it with the victory bell, AC, it would be something different for every sport that had the victory bell. And that was and not just football. But also, if the victory bell weren't on that uh, lame cart, if it were something like up on the hillside that the team, oh. after a win, ran up the hill and rang, rang the bell and you could hear it all over, I think that would be a really cool tradition. Um, but rolling a, a, an electric bell in on a cart does nothing for me.
0: Yeah, that's fair. John King, wh- what do you think? Tired and wired, Weaver State Traditions.
3: So, you know, I, I was when I when I was a student at were State, I was kind of a non-traditional student. You know, myself, um, I went to the MBA program and graduated from there in 2018. So, you know, I didn't get the traditional uh, campus experience. Um, I will agree with AC. The I think the best thing that we do is the is the is the after game fight song um that in the, in the locker room with the water shower and everything i think that is an awesome awesome tradition i know it's kind of a recent thing because you know it's really been more prevalent in 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 these last couple years but i love that like it just shows a lot of the passion and then uh, around the program and then the other thing too is is that like you know one thing i love the most about weaver state it has a it has a very identifiable fight song. I mean, like, you know, a lot of schools don't have that. I mean, you know, I went to Syracuse University. That's where my undergraduate education was. And we really didn't have a fight song. Um, and so, like, you know, going to a school like Weber State and having something like that, that pretty much all the fans know and is so, you know, you know, uh, orchestrated, like, into, into the programs. Like, I think that that's a really, really cool thing. As far as tire traditions, um, uh, I'll be honest with you, I, d- I don't really have one um, because when I was at Weber State, I didn't really see like a lot of like traditional aspects, you know, to the program, you know, kind of like Sean said earlier, um, you know, the tradition is, is, is winning, especially in basketball. And so like, you know, that's... Th- I don't really have a tired tradition. I mean, I guess one thing I would like to see moving forward is I think every wildcat fan would like to see it. I mean, when the W is lit on the mountain, I think that is a really, really cool thing. Plus, you know, it's just the mountains, just such a cool backdrop and to have things, you know, something on it behind the stadium is just, just a really cool visual thing in general. But yeah, I, I, I don't really have a tired tradition. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Mm.
0: Well, I got to say guys, I, I, When we came up with the segment, I was like, I got to get in on this. And so I'm going to go really quickly. My tire tradition is true Wildcat. We stole that from the Aggies. It's not ours. Amen. I've done it, but it's not ours. Can it? It's not ours. But the wire tradition is like what you said. I love the W on the mountain, and I love when it's lit up. And it makes me sad that we only do it during homecoming. Put it up there all year round, and when the Wildcats win, turn it purple.
1: Preach. That's it. Hey, before we close the show tonight, do we have an update on our poll results from uh, the last show?
0: Well, that is a great question.
1: We Ooh. do. Yes. The poll closed. Yes.
0: So, AC, tell us who ended up getting the highest marks for their pitches?
2: Well, there were three options it was John King, chappy and myself. And your boy won. That's right. <laughs> 50% of the vote to me, champion.
0: How many votes?
1: Uh, enough. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, I
0: don't like percentages when numbers are small, man. You guys, you guys
1: all three of you missed the, the obvious recruiting pitch. You open up the football, you show them the three rings in the case. You push it across the table and say, you want one of these come here. That's the pitch. You just push the rings across. Y'all missed it. But, but congrats on the win. AC.
0: So, so does AC get some
3: around the horn style
0: FaceTime here? Let's put it out there. What do you guys think? What does the panel think? Does AC deserve some around the horn style, say whatever he wants? Does he get some FaceTime? What do you think?
1: I don't think AC is prepared enough to have 30 seconds of original thought. Uh, to have oh, a face time with.
0: Shot across the bow. You know what? Now we're going <laughs> to give it to him and just see if he's prepared. AC, you got 30 seconds. You can say whatever you want. Go for it, my man.
2: Joke's on you, Sean Lewis. AC is always prepared. Always. <laughs> Shout out to my boy in the playoffs, Damian Lillard. The man is an assassin. Everybody's celebrating Kobe Bryant lately. Yesterday was his birthday. RIP, Kobe, love you. Today, 824, it's Mamba Day. And Damian Lillard, our Weber State Boy, our Wildcat, is the Mamba mentality incarnate. Love him.
1: Hope he takes down the Lakers. Let's go, Dame. Let's go, Wildcats.
0: Mm. Oh,
1: I, love I, that. I stand corrected, AC. Thank you for putting me in my place.
0: Man, and he was right on time, too. You were right on time with that FaceTime. Wonderful. Well, folks, we're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, Normally, this is where we would uh, bring up upcoming games and events this week. Unfortunately, there are no games. However, the the athletics department will be doing some online, uh, maybe like Facebook live streams. And so if you... Go to the Athletics website or you go to the social media channels. They have a schedule up for you. Uh, We can also share that schedule in the Weber State State Fans Facebook group and also on Twitter where you can catch some of those conversations with coaches for the rest of the week. But aside from that, there are no other events going on this week because COVID-19 is a thing. So if you're interested in sending us your thoughts, uh, go ahead and email us at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. Um, we plan on also posting in the Facebook group about what you think some tired and wired traditions are. So we'll put that out there and, and get some of the Wildcats thoughts. Uh, find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash State Weekly. We're also on Twitter at Weber State Weekly and Instagram at the same handle. And of course, we've got a few blog posts up. We've been still meeting the team this week. And so if you go to weberstateweekly.com, you'll have the opportunity to learn about some of the folks that make Weber State Weekly possible. So, with that, I want to say, good show, guys. Um, excited to watch Dame continue to crush in the playoffs. Like AC said, the man is a cold-blooded killer, and I love to see it. So, I'll say, until next week, Weber State, Weber State.
3: Great. 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 <laughs>
0: Go Wildcats. <laughs>